0: The road to consciousness. We will figure out the biggest mystery in human history. That's how we can have such a rich subjective experience of life in our heads all day, every day, from the moment we're born until the moment we die. But yet we don't understand how from the physical workings of the brain or even where in our brains does our mind come about, let alone our consciousness. We just don't know. We're going to do it with a technique where we're going to look at multiple disciplines that point to the puzzle and put things in either the knowledge bucket or the assumptions bucket. Knowledge, we have enough data, we have enough evidence. We're fairly confident that it's the truth. Assumptions are a leap of faith where we have some evidence, some data, or corus- or I should say competing theories uh, that we just have to make some assumptions on, otherwise we'll go around in circles. Today, we haven't talked about psychology yet. <laughs> And psychology is very fascinating because it it goes to the heart of who we are. It's all about our behaviors. It's about our personality. It's about our habits, our beliefs. Developmental psychology, how we developed as children. Uh, Sociology in terms of our society and how we interact with each other. It's really a logical layer above neuroscience. There's neuropsychology that helps bridge the gap, but I mean, neuroscience gives us a lot of the physical interactions how the neuronal systems work the groups become nuclei um how they exchange information through synapses and neurotransmitters but when we look at us ourselves how we see ourselves how we see ourselves fitting in and day to day how we feel how we act that's really psychology Uh, and that can also give us clues to consciousness one of the main reasons is psychology as a field applies mainly to humans i would say i mean we can kind of apply it to some mammals as well but not at the depth that we have an understanding of or the intricacies of our behavior and our personalities and everybody has their own And everybody's brain is unique. This is one of the challenges, in fact, of consciousness or even understanding how the brain works. Not only is it the most complex thing in the universe, everybody's works slightly differently. (laughs) Everybody's has their own uh, way that it's come about or developed and as similar as we think we are we're fairly unique in from a psychological point of view now the building blocks are all neurons we have the same building blocks but they bind in different ways to give rise to different uh, personalities we know that a lot of that is the prefrontal cortex excuse me the prefrontal cortex which this is functionalism now functionalism is understanding which regions of the brain map to which higher level functions. Uh, So, for instance, vision and the occipital lobe and the different uh, fields, even in the frontal lobe has some primary eye fields and things like that. So, it is distributed in many places, but at least functionalism, we have a good grasp of which areas relate to what functions we are able to perform as as humans. Your your motor cortex, um, somo... So sensory (laughs) cortex, Uh, so we understand that part of it. How it directly maps to a lot of our behaviors, this is where psychology gives us guides. I'm not sure we overly understand. We do understand that a lot of our behavior, a lot of our social behaviors and our personality is in the prefrontal cortex and it that's kind of the logic center and it takes input from many different areas in fact a lot around the uh, limbic system and the limbic load obviously in terms of our emotions and how we feel but our judgment center does play into it Uh, we could make the case that maybe consciousness at least from our the way that we experience it is a lot to do with us making judgments Uh, we are predicting future experiences but we're using everything we know from the past and then making micro predictions in the sense that like even any any simple task you do your brain and your consciousness actually i should say has an expected outcome there is nothing you're doing right now where your experience is already understanding what is expected this is why we get startled or we jump when something unexpected happens and it can be uh you know horrifying in that sense because we're not expecting it we're that's at the micro level and then at the macro level we can expect tomorrow what you think may happen it gets fuzzier the further you go out and uh, and this is an interesting phenomenon where if i asked you next week you might have a rough idea if I asked you in three months uh, it's starting to get a little hazy and if I asked you in the three years you'll be like well I, I might be in this situation so it does get fuzzier the more it goes out it also gets fuzzier the further back you go you probably remember what you did this morning what you did yesterday one week before you have some sparse memories you, you would have known where you are but it's very very sparse last Three weeks ago or a month ago, eh, it's starting to get really, really sparse. And then obviously, three or four years ago, you've got the memories that are emotionally significant in some way. Other than that, it's super sparse. And I don't know if it's just me, but like two years ago, okay, I knew where I was living. Um, I knew what work I was doing. But like any of the other experiences, unless there was that emotional attachment, they're just not going to be there and this is a efficiency factor that is a law of the universe everything in the universe wants to be the most efficient it can be Uh, even the flow of uh, subatomic particles or uh, when particles like light or photon go from a to b they will take the the uh, path of least resistance almost it is how they can get there the fastest (laughs) right so we do the same things in our brains Uh, we will be as efficient as possible by only storing the things that we feel we will need later on and that's the ones with the emotional significance and replaying that experience with that emotion actually allows us to determine whether well determine what we should do next and The brain doesn't know between good and bad. It just knows that it was significant emotionally to us. And we've evolved to have the psychology of using that to make that prediction for the next set of actions or movements that we do. And with the goal of putting us in a better emotional significant place. Emotions and feelings, I should say, are really something that is a big part of our psychology. Day to day we wake up physiologically we feel a certain way that's just you know the regulation of your body or if you're you know low sugar let's say for some reason physiologically you might feel a little not well or tired or you just don't have energy that's a big part of it but then on top of that we have the feelings of whether maybe we're sad one day because we remember an experience that wasn't great or we're happy one day because we feel like things are going well or sometimes we don't even know why we end up in that feeling state and that's our subconscious and our brain. Kicking in, it's doing a phenomenal amount of processing every single second. It's processing all of the signals from your body, and that's a lot, right? Every single signal in terms of your endocrine system and or your hormones, or your position of your arms and legs, your proprioception. This is all coming up your nervous system from your peripheral nervous system all the way up to your central nervous system, which is your brain. It's been distributed and that's not even what you're taking in from the outside. So it's doing a phenomenal amount of interpretation, I'd like to say. It's not just processing. And that's the perception factor that we have, right? Between sensation to perception as the layers of consciousness or stages of consciousness. And then add on top of that the experience, which is really at the heart of what we feel, On top of that, add the meaning. And I do believe that the meaning as the last stage is that future prediction. Like what does it mean to us? We have all of this perception. We have this experience now. What do we do with it? And that helps us in our ongoing experience to make choices, make decisions. We talked about free will the last time to enable us, to guide us through the experience so we can have the best experience possible. That is one of the big wise of why we developed consciousness is because we want to enhance our day-to-day experience but we also have developed them in a way that allows us to predict further in the future to put ourselves in a better energy state to put ourselves in a better experience state so that meaning i would tie directly to the prefrontal cortex there is no other place in your brain that is able to be that control center as they call it where you're like, okay, look, everything around me I'm experiencing, but there's, there's got to be a meaning to me. What does it mean specifically to me? And then how should I react? And this is a, like I said, it's just a seam, It's a seamless process. A consciousness is a stream. It's not, I'm sure if you tried to break it down into the smallest, I, all, I honestly feel it'd be an infinite chopping exercise, like a conscious thought, but like how, how small is that conscious thought? And are they all stitched together? I don't think it is. Uh, I just feel it's a, it's a, it's a part of a, it's, if you're in a pool of energy, all you would be doing is, is harnessing that energy in a continuous fashion, uh, so yeah, that, that's part of it, the psychological part of it is, is again, governing, or at least understanding why we feel certain ways, why we act certain ways, what are the stimulus to acting, So and this is, these days, i definitely not an expert in the psychology field, but, You know, we went through structuralism, which was very interesting, by the way. It's the structure of your brain governs your personality, basically. And so if you had lump here or a lump there, that could mean something in how you act, whether you're aggressive or you're not aggressive or you're happy or you're a sad person or whatever that means. And phonology actually was the practice of that. So that was super interesting. That that went out of phase pretty quick, as you can imagine. Then functionalism pinpointed regions of the brain. And then behaviorism is more about the can we run ex- I don't want to use yeah experiments basically uh, with people not necessarily on people but with people that can tell hey with a certain understanding of the base level of your habits or your beliefs if we provide a certain stimuli what's the reaction or the or the or the action going to be from that person and how does that like what is their psyche and psychology and we talked about psychoanalysis uh, Sigmund Freud which'm I'm, I'm a fan of the technique is then helping deep dive into what is the previous psyche or how do you see the different areas of your brain in terms of what you're telling yourself and your perception of not only the world but your perception of yourself how do you see you how do you how do you how do you relate and analyze yourself uh psychoanalysis introduced different parts or they were virtual parts i guess with the id or the ego uh it ego super ego i believe uh which is kind of like the logical and the emotional or it's not quite that there are drivers the the part which i do subscribe to I, i i do believe we all have underlying just beliefs and drivers that we don't even know about this is parts of our subconscious that are just there that are playing out with the best data that they have and our previous or what we've told ourselves maybe all of our lives or what we developed early on as, as children and the developmental psychology sense how those neurons binded and which regions may be compensated or undercompensated or overcompensated based on what we saw this is very interesting we are picking up on other people's experiences and the two key people in the in the, the freudian model as well were your parents now your parents play a significant role obviously because they genetically you inherit things and this is nature versus nurture but on top of that they're the people you spend most likely i mean everybody's situation is different i get that but most likely they're the people you spend the most time with when you're a kid so you at that early stage which is like up to two years old where you're super neuroplastic and even neuroplasticity continues very very at a fast pace you know into your teenage years you learn an awful lot by what you see you learn by what you hear you learn from other people's experiences and relate it to yourself this is the cycle that you go through and that meaning phase is super important at that stage although you don't really know it (laughs) Oftentimes we just like go through and and we we 're trying to have the best experience, but our brains don't have because our frontal lobe hasn 't developed fully until you 're about twenty four so we don 't necessarily apply the meaning phase, but we are, we're we 're at that experience phase in a very rapid way, and all those experiences shape us, all those experiences bind, and we don 't even know they're happening and Then by the time we do have the fully frontal uh, prefrontal cortex and the frontal lobe at that stage we start to or sometimes we don't reapply that meaning to all of those experiences that we learned and what happens is they, we carry that through life and i'm a testament to this this is one of the ones where i practiced what i preach when i did the psychoanalysis on myself i realized there were so many things that i saw and i heard and what i believed and what i told myself i picked up as a kid that because i didn't apply the meaning to it then but then i reapplied it now Um, As painful as that was, it was very invigorating and highlighted that there was just certain things that just weren't true or certain things of the way I saw myself or how I saw my place in the world, which were fairly biased because of that hard belief and the thing about a belief is it reinforces itself over time the more you tell yourself something the more you believe it the more you believe it the more you'll tell yourself and this cycle reinforces i don't know at the at the neuronal level or the neurons level what i suspect is happening is that it's 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 padding on emotional significance it's almost as if we relive an experience of something we've told ourselves let's say we say we're not good at sports or we're not good at learning a new language. Every single time we attempt it, we're most likely going to fail. Now, most people, if not everybody, first time they attempt something, you're not going to knock it out of the park, for lack of a better term. So what do we tell ourselves? We reinforce that. Like It almost pops up, oh, of course you're not going to be able to do this. You're no good at it. And as soon as you've done that, you're adding an emotional padding to that belief. (laughs) To those group of nuclei that are working together, that has a subconscious to that, but you're basically adding emotional significance to it. And so what's happening is that next time, it even it feels even stronger and you're going to try it again and you're probably going to fail again. You're going to do the same thing. This is absolutely the same as what we tell ourselves. How we see ourselves early on gets binded and probably unless we make that adjustment at some point, we just add on this emotional significance to it and then it just becomes stronger. And so this is a good good um i guess view of the emotional significance theory over time over like the sum of the experiences we have can fluctuate their emotional significance and on the flip side i did this as well once you break down that barrier some things that were emotionally triggering that were emotionally painful you can work through by reducing the emotional significance and then it's you're working through that so it's not coming back and manifesting the word really is manifesting itself it's not re-manifesting itself automatically almost our subconscious is driving this and this is where i do agree with the psychoanalysis not only method now i don't overly agree with the i think freudian really took it to another level in terms of the underlying driver's um, being tied to some things with our parents and 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 our animalistic instincts now i 'm not going to conjecture i 'm not i 'm not too sure i subscribe to that i i don't let's let's i don't subscribe to that but in terms of having a subconscious that is really governing the psychology for us without us consciously knowing it and this is interesting the whole goal is for us not to be aware of all the things happening in our subconscious otherwise that would drive us crazy especially around keeping our body in homeostasis we don't consciously have to think about that that frees up our conscious to have the rich experience we have we are almost geared towards that pleasurable experience you know we want to save our consciousness from all of the other stuff including the memories of the past but there is some kind of interrupt method that definitely happens like when you have a thought from or let's say an experience from your past which was traumatic it almost feels like that is replayed regularly the emotional significance is so high that it's it happens automatically like i sometimes wake up and i think about something right that that was emotionally significant and I don't have to consciously say, oh, I'm going to think about what It just comes back. And if you have a rough day at work, you're probably going to go home and you're going to replace some of those events because they're emotionally significant. So for me, psychology definitely is a big part of the emotional significance theory, but it's more about the logical layer. It's more about the prefrontal cortex. I'm not sure it can point or help us identify which regions of the brain consciousness and how it arises, but there is something here that needs to be doing another deep dive. So I might make another one where we talk about some of the psychological aspects. But this is a good start to start to tie it all together with neuroscience, neuropsychology, psychology, um, yeah, evolutionary consciousness, things like that. So this is the pieces of the puzzle.